Remember the good old days before Microsoft Word had autosave? You'd type up some important document and then your computer would freeze and you'd lose hours of work just because you forgot to hit save? Well, that's what it's like going online without ExpressVPN. Every time you're connected to an unencrypted network, whether it's in an airport, a hotel, a cafe, or anywhere, your online data is not secure. Any person on that same network who knows what they're doing can gain access to your personal data. Bank logins, credit card details, passwords, all the stuff you don't want people seeing. Unfortunately, hacking has become much easier than it used to be. People don't even have to be exceptionally skilled to do it, and there's a lot of money to be made by selling your information on the dark web. ExpressVPN stops hackers from stealing your data by creating a secure, encrypted tunnel between your device and the internet. It's incredibly easy to use. Once the app is running, you literally click one button to get protected. And it works on your phone, laptop, tablet, and more, so you can stay protected on the go. I've been using ExpressVPN for a little while now, and I can rest easy knowing my info is safe and secure. I've heard horror stories of people who've been hacked, and it sounds like a massive pain to try to get any resolution in the aftermath, so I am not interested in finding out what that process is like. Secure your online data today by visiting expressvpn.com slash slashfilm. That's E-X-P-R-E-S-S-V-P-N dot com slash slashfilm, and you can get an extra three months free. expressvpn.com slash slashfilm. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. This year has gone by incredibly quickly, but it's always nice to pause and take stock. What's something you're proud of in 2024 so far? What's something you still want to accomplish this year? I know I'm guilty of falling into a routine and not always thinking about the bigger picture, but as the great Ferris Bueller once said, life moves pretty fast. If you don't stop and look around once in a while, you can miss it. So it's crucial to take a moment to celebrate your wins and make adjustments for the rest of the year. Therapy can help you contextualize your progress and set achievable goals for the next six months. As you surely know by now, it's not only for people who have experienced major trauma. Therapy is helpful in all kinds of ways, including learning positive coping skills and how to set boundaries. If you've been considering trying therapy, check out BetterHelp. It's fully online and was specifically designed to be flexible and customizable to your schedule. To get started, just fill out a brief questionnaire that matches you up with a licensed therapist, and you can switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. Take a moment. Visit BetterHelp.com FilmDaily today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P, dot com slash film daily. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Slash Film Daily for Friday, August 27th, 2021. On today's episode of the show, we're going to be talking about the latest film and TV news. My name is Ben Pearson. I am a senior writer at SlashFilm.com, and I am joined on today's episode by Slash Film senior writer and chief film critic, Chris Evangelista. Hello. All right, so let's jump right into it, Chris, and uh, tell me a little bit about a Black Canary movie that was announced recently. Yes, there is going to be a Black Canary movie spun off from the Birds of Prey movie with Journey Smollett reprising the role she played in uh, Birds of Prey and uh, Misha Green, who wrote Lovecraft Lovecraft Country, which also starred Journey Smollett, is uh, writing the script. And that's really all we have at the moment. Uh, There's no director attached yet. Misha Green could direct, but that has not been... um, made official just yet so what do you think about this chris it seems to me i mean my gut reaction was like i'm i uh, liked birds of prey a lot and but this is not the character that i expected to be the first one announced for a spinoff yeah i was i wouldn't expect it either but i'm you know i'm all all, all for it i uh i like birds of prey i think journey smollett um was good in that she was really good in, in lovecraft country so i'm i'm all for her doing more. Uh, I should also add that this is yet another 
uh, Warner Brothers DC movie that is going right to HBO Max, uh, along with Batgirl and uh, the Blue Beetle movie. Mm-hmm. Yes. All right. Well, yeah, I mean, I, I think I feel like Birds of Prey, you know, th- there was a lot of talk around the Suicide Squad when that movie came out that like Birds of Prey wasn't getting the uh, the attention or the love or the respect that it deserves. And and I just want to like, I think I think there are enough of us on this uh, podcast on this website who like that movie that I can officially say that slash film is a pro birds of prey uh, website. So I, yeah. I hope that we are doing our part to, uh, to spread the good news about that movie. And if you skipped it for some reason, maybe because the whole Harley Quinn in suicide squad thing just sort of seemed a little too eye rolly for you. I would highly encourage you to, to go back and check that movie out. It's streaming on HBO max. It's, it's very, very good. So uh, check out birds of prey. And yeah, I'm looking forward to this, Black Canary movie. I, I mean, that character was sort of, you know, she she's sort of uh, served the role of uh, like the lounge singer um, kind of character, and she has this ability, these these superpowers of like this crazy, you know, like banshee esque voice that can just you know blow the windows off of a place. I, I don't know if there was really enough in uh, the Birds of Prey movie that gives me like a clear. Um, uh, takeoff point of like what exactly the story is that they're going to do here. But uh, I thought she was like a good enough part of that ensemble that, yeah, like, you know, I'm, I'm excited to see what happens there. So, yeah. um, uh, so Chris, I know that you were not a fan of the old guard, the uh, Netflix movie that came out last year. No, it was bad. <laughs> <laughs> I strongly disagree. I actually yeah. really liked the old guard. So I'm excited about the old guard too, which uh, has found a director in the form of Victoria Mahoney, who was the first woman and the first black woman to direct a Star Wars movie. She served as the second unit director on uh, Star Wars, the rise of Skywalker, which was a, there. There's something that we both can agree. was a terrible movie. Yes. Um, so yeah, uh, yeah, I think Gina Prince Bythewood was the director of the first film, and she is going to be stepping back and, and just, I think she's producing this movie, but not directing it, obviously. And she um, seems to be friends with Victoria Mahoney, and uh, Mahoney is, is very you know excited about the, the possibilities that they have here. Basically, the entire cast from the first film, Charlize Theron, uh, Kiki Lane, um, uh, Chibatel Ajifor, a bunch of folks are all coming back to reprise their roles. Greg Rucka, who wrote the comic book that the first movie was based on, uh, and also he wrote the script for the first film is also coming back to write the script for this sequel. So it seems like um, basically it's the same creative team except for Gina Prince, Prince uh, Bythewood. Um, Chris, I'm wondering um, if you could pinpoint something about that movie that you didn't care for. Was it the direction? And and I guess what I'm trying to really get out get out here is. Are you okay with the concept of, you know, uh, immortal warriors sticking around and, and fighting it out on, on planet Earth, but you just didn't really care for the execution of the old guard? Or you just sort of like out of this uh, from page one? What, where are you? I, I really didn't like anything about them. I mean, I like the <laughs> idea, the concept of like, oh, we're immortal and we can, we, we're mercenaries. But I just thought the movie just, just felt really cheap looking. And I, I'm tired of this, this thing where, the whole movie is set up for whatever comes next. Like that movie, what doesn't feel like an old guard movie. It feels like here's how we become the old guard and the sequel will show us as the real old guard. So I guess in theory, this sequel could be the better movie because that first movie was all about setting shit up for the sequel. So I guess it could be good. I don't know. I just, I really did not care for that movie. (laughs) 
Well, man, normally, Chris, I'm, I'm right there with you in terms of like the, uh, you know, the, the fatigue of like setup, setup fatigue or whatever you want to call that for the first movie. But I feel like the old guard did a pretty good job of like uh, dropping a new character into that world. And like it was a pre-established team and everything. Anyway, we're, just, we're, we're obviously not going to see I die. On this, no. so that's, that's totally fine. Uh, OK, so let's move on to um, something I just wanted to mention real quick, which is the Lion King prequel has cast its young Mufasa and young Scar. So. Um, Kelvin Harrison Jr., who you may know from The Trial of Chicago 7, will be playing a character named Young Taka, which is the lion that will eventually take on the name of Scar. So we're talking a pre-scarred Scar here. And Aaron Pierre, who is in the Underground Railroad, is going to be playing a younger version of Mufasa. Um, the only reason that I'm bringing this up is because Barry Jenkins is directing this movie, um, which is still a surprising thing to me. I know that the the quote-unquote live-action Lion King movie made a ton of money when it came out in 2019, I think. Um, but I don't think any of us here were fans of it. And uh, I think all of us are, were pretty surprised when Barry Jenkins signed on to direct this. Um, but uh, knowing now these these uh, pieces of voice casting, Chris, are, is there anything in here that, uh, <laughs> that moves the needle for you at all? Or are you still sort of in a wait and see. I trust Barry Jenkins, but I'm a little nervous about this kind of project. Where are you? Yeah, I don't know, man. I, I, I love Barry Jenkins and I'm sure he's going to do something interesting with this, but I, uh, I finally got around to watching the live action or whatever you want to call it. The photorealistic lion King and Jesus Christ, what a pointless movie that yeah, is. It's like, it really is the entire time. I was like, why does this movie exist? Like, it's literally just like a shot for shot remake, but everything looks worse. And I don't <laughs> understand what the point, like everything looks, I mean, when I say it looks worse, I mean, you know, visually, you know, everything looks like it's real, but as a result, it just, it robs the movie of any like emotion because you can't put emotion on a real lion's face. You know, it just mm -hmm, looks mm -hmm. like a lion. So I was just like, what the, I don't understand who this is for. So I, I was just very confused by that movie's existence, yeah. but you know, I love Barry Jenkins, man. He's a great filmmaker. So I'm, I'm hoping he'll do something interesting with this, but I have a few, you know, already I'm just like, Oh, we're going to learn how Scar got his scar. Like, yeah. I don't, I don't care. Like who needs that? I don't know. Yeah. Um, have you seen the underground railroad, the Amazon? Man, I series? have not seen that yet. And I'm kicking myself because everyone says it's, it's great. And I just have not gotten around to watching it yet. Yeah. I'm, I'm midway through reading the book right now. And I wanted to read the book before I saw the show. And it's one of those things where it's like, there's always a ton of stuff to watch. I know that this is an Amazon original and it's going to live on Amazon forever. So it's always going to be there for me. And it just didn't have like the immediacy as some of the other stuff had. And I, I just have been taking my time with, uh, with reading the book. So I, I'm, I have not seen it yet either, but I'm excited to dive into it. Um, so I'm not really super familiar with Aaron Pierre as a, as a performer, really. He was on um, Krypton and a show called Britannia, which I've never seen. But Chris, I know he was in the M. Night Shyamalan movie Old recently, and I, I still have not caught up with Old, but um, you saw that movie, you reviewed it for the site. Did, did uh, Aaron Pierre make any sort of impact in, in that film? He played a character named Mid-Sized Sedan. <laughs> Um, yeah, he was fine. I wouldn't say like he had gave like a great performance, but he didn't really have a lot to do in that movie, but he wasn't, he wasn't bad by any means. I wasn't like, whoa, get this guy out of the movie. He, yeah. he was fine for what he had to do. 
Okay. And then Kelvin Harrison Jr., um, like I mentioned, he's, he was in Trial of Chicago 7. The thing that I know him most from, just in case he's not like a, a household name yet to people yet, is a movie from 2019 called Waves. Did you ever see that, Chris, by any chance? Uh, I did see that, actually. That's the A24 movie, right? It is, yes. Yes, yeah, I saw that in, uh, um, I think, TIFF. Yeah, so I thought he did a great job in that movie. It's it's a little bit of a a tough sit, I think. Uh, overall, that film, it, it has this really yeah, it's, in- it's, interesting, like, bifurcated structure to it that is not like really... two movies in one, yeah. basically. And I, I actually expected that to be, like, a bigger deal, and it felt like no one cared about it when it came out. It was yeah. Um, but I think it's worth watching. I think there's a lot of interesting stuff in it. And, and his performance is, you know, like right there at the top of the list. I feel like it's, it's a sort of one of those um, like calling card performances where a lot of people in the industry probably saw that and are casting him based on, you know, his, his work in that film. So that's called waves. If you're interested in checking that out. Uh, and then let's see, there's a couple other news items that I wanted to get through today. Uh, one of them is, um, uh, about a new project from the creators of American Vandal, which was that Netflix comedy show. Chris, did you ever watch American Vandal? Did we talk about that? Uh, yeah, I did watch it. Okay. Uh, I loved American Vandal. I don't remember where you stand on that show. It's very fun. I didn't watch the second season, but I watched the first one and I thought it was very funny. Yeah, yeah, man. Season one is is like one of the best <laughs> shows that I've seen in a long time. Uh, the second season was was not quite as good, but it's still very funny. So uh, Tony Yacenda and Dan Peralt, who are the creators of that show, are going to be working on a new mockumentary series for Paramount Plus this time, and it is called Players, and it's set in the world of esports. So it follows a fictional pro League of Legends team as they pr- pursue their first championship after years of close calls and heartache. To win it all, they'll need their prodigy, a 17-year-old rookie, and their 27-year-old veteran to put their egos aside and work together. Um, so I don't know anything about esports. I know that yeah, I mean, obviously like esports have blown up has, as a thing in the past several years and become like mainstreamed in a way where they're you know they're being televised and all of that. Uh, I just have that is a world that I have not. Uh, dip my toe into at all chris i cannot imagine you ever tuning into anything esports related but maybe i don't even i don't even know what that is okay (laughs) that's about where i expected you to be on that um but yeah these guys are are great i mean if you've not seen american vandal it is very very much worth watching they've also directed a couple of uh parody videos of um sort of like 30 for 30 the espn documentary series 30 for 30 uh fake videos about like what if Rocky four happened for real? What if angels in the outfield happened for real very much in the style of 30 for 30. So um, these guys definitely have that ability to uh, capture the, uh, the stylistic trappings of a a documentary genre kind of piece like this. Uh, And I'm excited to see what they do with the world of of players, this new show. So I just wanted to mention that for any American Vandal fans out there who are uh, looking to scratch that itch. Sounds like a Paramount Plus subscription maybe in your future. Um, so, Chris, I wanted to wrap up today with uh, this story that I honestly thought was a joke when you put it in our uh, Slack channel and you suggested that we write about this because you'd never noticed this aspect of the original Ghostbusters uniforms before. And uh, why don't you set this up for for people at home? Yeah. So, if if you'll recall, the the Ghostbusters when they're when they're in their uniforms, they have this sort of tube coming off the the side of their pants there and it's a yellow tube and i had seen it before because i've seen ghostbusters so many times but i never really thought much about it i was never like wonder what that tube does i just assumed it was you know connected to the proton packs or the the traps or you know any of their 
their gadgetry. Mm-hmm. But uh, I saw someone on Twitter posted a, a screenshot of the official Ghostbusters. Uh, what's it called? The Ghostbusters like visual history or something. Yeah. It's, it's the Ghostbusters art book, basically. Yeah, here it is. The Ghostbusters ultimate visual history is the name of the book. And it was a screenshot of the introduction to that book, which was written by Dan Aykroyd. And it, it specifically said that the tube was uh, it called it a clear p- plastic hose for incontinence due to fear. In other words, this tube exists because the Ghostbusters get so scared by ghosts, they pee themselves. And <laughs> rather than have, you know, a, a stain on their suit, it, the, I guess it's like a catheter, I guess. So uh, I, I saw this and I thought it was fucking hilarious, man, because, you know, look, I love Ghostbusters. I love the first Ghostbusters. I really like Ghostbusters 2. I really liked, you know, the, the lady Ghostbusters that everyone hated. But I feel like in the last few years, and I feel like this happened around the time, you know, the the Ghostbusters remake came out, the Ghostbusters fandom has gone sort of like insane in taking this, like (laughs) taking these movies really seriously. And it's sort of like carrying over to this new one, the Ghostbusters Afterlife, where everyone's like, I'm getting emotional. I'm crying over Ghostbusters Afterlife. And I'm like, Ghostbusters is a silly movie about like drunken doctors who are always smoking cigarettes and chasing after ghosts. And there's a scene in the first movie where Dan Aykroyd gets a blow job from a ghost. Like these are not like classic, serious, emotional <laughs> movies. They are very silly movies and there's nothing wrong with that. But I feel like this detail is like the perfect encapsulation of what Ghostbusters is. It's about guys who piss themselves when they see ghosts. <laughs> and we really shouldn't take it as seriously as some of the very hardcore fans out there take it. Well, I couldn't possibly add anything uh, to that conversation. I really just like wanted this to be a PSA where in case people happen to miss that article on slashfilm.com, I just really wanted to get this information out to as many people as possible because I think you're right. I think it's really like a, a perfect distillation of like the spirit of what that, at least that first movie was. Uh, and yeah, I, I fully agree with everything you said there. I can't, I still cannot believe that this is real and that this is something that Dan Aykroyd actually like. You know, like imagine the, yeah, imagine the, the meetings that went into like the character design and, and the, uh, or the costume design rather. And like, you know, Dan Aykroyd being like, no, 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 this is all wrong. There's no piss holes on this guys. There's (laughs) there's no, you know, we we gotta, we gotta work those hoses into the pant legs somehow. It's just, uh, very funny to think about. So I, I also wonder like if like he just came up with it and never told anyone until like he wrote that introduction. He was like, by the way. Those tubes were totally for piss. Yeah, that's a good point. I wonder if Bill Murray like ever ever yeah. knew about that. He, he's reading that and su- just as surprised as everybody else is now. So, if, if uh, any of us get to do a press day for Ghostbusters Afterlife, I demand someone asked. <laughs> do you know about the piss tubes? Because I want to know. I want to know if anyone else knows about this. Yes, great stuff. All right. So yeah, you can find more about all the stories that we mentioned on today's show at slashfilm.com and linked inside the show notes of this episode. Slashfilm Daily is published every weekday, bringing you the most exciting news from the world of movies and TV, as well as deeper dives into the great features you can find on the site. You can subscribe to the show on Apple, Google, Overcast, Spotify, all the popular podcast apps, and send your feedback, questions, comments, concerns, and mailback topics to us at peter at slashfilm.com. Make sure to leave your name and general geographic location in case we mention your email on the air. Don't forget to rate and review the show on Apple Podcasts. Tell your friends, spread the word. Thank you all for listening, and we will talk to you on Monday.